You're listening to the OKest Fisher Podcast, part of the OKest Podcast Network, featuring your hosts, Matt Strine and Greg Tubbs. Welcome back to the OKest Fisher Podcast. How are we doing, Matt? I'm here. How are you doing? Oh, can't complain. Uh, weather's uh, not the greatest for thinking about ice fishing with all this heavy snow and slush we just got, but Regardless, we still have ice on the lakes. It's somewhat fishable, and uh, we got a guest on the line that's in a really good place to go ice fishing. Yeah, got great ice up by him. So, our guest today is Adam with Free to Prowl Outdoors. How are we doing, Adam? Great, gents. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So, you're in Canada. What's the what's the target species? Pretty much anything, but I really like chasing lake trout. Uh, that's just just kind of my my favorite fish to catch. They're they're aggressive. They chase. They're unpredictable and predictable at the same time. So, <laughs> you're uh, you're you're chasing them on stand up tackle, I assume. Short jig rods. Short jig rods. Um, yeah, some set line stuff too. Rattle reels. Uh, you know, if I do any overnight stuff, uh, and then uh, I run a jaw jacker as well. You're only allowed two lines up here. I'm in Ontario, so. Um, you can run two lines. Uh, don't have to worry about barbs. Uh, you can have multiple hooks, uh, unlike some other territories in Canada. So, yeah, it's pretty much like back home. Very cool. How about we take one step back? When did you get to Canada, and how long you staying? Uh, I just got up here, what was it, the day before last. Uh, so, yeah, two days ago, um, going on a, a general adventure here. Not sure when this is going to post, but I left, uh, like, early february and i'm gonna try and be run various spots i'm gonna spend about uh a week and a half two weeks up here and then back to northern wisconsin then back to actually i'm gonna head probably to fort Peck, fort peck montana for some more lake trout and then hit colorado as well for they have lake trout there they have stock trout i have some buddies out there so kind of do a big loop for a month and a half so the lake trout tour yeah, yeah, the trout tour. So it sounds like you had a little bit of an adventure getting into Canada before we hit the record button here. You had some funny comments made. Yeah, so I've kind of been recording my day-to-day experience here uh, on TikTok. So, um, yeah, I kind of posted what, what happened. Uh, I didn't obviously record the, the crossing, but um, I I will make note, I was I drove through Canada last summer or this last summer, I left in July, drove to Alaska, and then um, however long it took me to get get to Alaska through Canada, that's how long I was in, and then I came back, obviously, home to the States. No issues, registered guns, um, same truck. If you don't know my truck, I got some big logos on it. They're they're American flag-based, so uh, people know what country I'm from. Um, So, uh, yeah, no problems crossed the border this time and uh i got pulled aside and my worry is always getting my truck tossed not because yeah. i have anything illegal in there only because i live out of my truck when i'm on the road um literally like i sleep in it especially in winter and i have everything in there and it just i don't want them to make a mess no. um so they pulled me aside and they kind of looked through some stuff they sent me in and then they brought me back out and he kept asking me if i had any guns in there and he's like well, you know we looked up your youtube and your your social medias and you know, we know you hunt. Why don't you have any guns? And I was like, I'm not hunting, you know, and, and, and unfortunately in your country, I can't have a sidearm. So I don't have a, I don't have a reason for a gun. 
but they kept asking me if I had a concealed weapon in there. And I said, no. And then I actually had to talk to immigrations and got interrogated by them um, down to, they wanted to know how much money I had access to in cash, how much money was in my checking account and how much money I had access to on credit cards. Wow. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Uh, now, I know they're doing their job, but I guess talking to the connection, actually, I'm at his house. Um, his name's Ryan. He's uh, he's a relation through um, my sister and brother-in-law or future brother-in-law. But um, he said they worry about that because apparently people come up here thinking they're going to get work or they're going to disappear. So they, I think they could tell I lived out of my truck and I was kind of nomadic. So they, that's just why they wanted to know how much money I had. But yeah, I pretty much got a stamp to come in and she just told me you can't do any work and you're free to go. So, wow. Well, I guess that's not the worst thing. I mean, somebody says, Hey, you should get a job. I can't work. (laughs) I gotta go fish. Exactly. No, I just want, all I want to do is fish. That's why I'm here. But I don't know. It's just funny, right? You're, I mean, I understand, like I said, both ends, like I understand you're keeping your, your country safe and even coming back to our country, right? You get, sometimes you get a little, little grief, whatever they're doing their job, but yeah, just, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to feel like I'm doing something wrong when I'm not. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. A little unnerving, but regardless, yes. you're up there, you're, you're going to go chase some trout. Um, so stand-up tackle, and what's the bait of choice? Uh, so my three favorite baits uh, would be a tube, tube jig, uh, anywhere from three-eighths ounce to up to an ounce. Um, you know, if you're fishing, fishing like Superior, you're going to go a lot heavier because there's a lot of current up there. Um, inland stuff, you can get away with like three-eighths ounce. Unless they're, they're chasing really heavy, you can go to like, you can go heavier the better. Um a spoon, like an Acme Castmaster spoon or any type of spoon. Um, something, you know, if, it's hard to get like the Acme Castmasters or any Acme one in a super heavy weight uh, around us, especially back in Wisconsin. But uh, there's some other companies out there. Um, I have a trout and pout spoon. That's just a glow-in-the-dark spoon. It doesn't have like that that concave side. It doesn't do a lot of fluttering, but it's just heavy. Uh, it does, does spoon stuff. And then um, hair jigs, uh paired with like a, a some type of plastic or just a jig head paired with a plastic uh, that could be a swim bait that could be a fluke style bait anything like that um, my typical colors are white um, and chartreuse or any little variation of that sometimes I dip my tubes you know the tails of them in chartreuse if it's a white tube or vice versa um, but that's that's generally the the basis of it it's you can get started pretty easy uh, lake trout fishing Sounds like it. I mean, if you got anything white in your tackle box, whether it's hair or rubber or a spoon, and you can get it down to the depths, you're pretty much in the game. Yeah, I mean, you you are. You want to get them to chase, and then from there, it's just that's when you get to play the game. That's when you get to figure out where they want to eat. You know, um, you know, you hear about people catching lake trout right under the hole, all the way to the bottom. They'll chase a bait from the top to the bottom or vice versa. It's That's the biggest, that's the most enjoyable part about it is figuring out what they're going to do. Um, sometimes you play these fish for five minutes, you know, just trying to get them to, get them to bite. They'll miss it and don't be afraid because you can drop it right back down and catch them again. And that's generally, I mean, I would say that's a lot of trout in general. 
uh, trout are aggressive. They're predators. They want to eat. Um, I've done it with, you know, the same style of fishing with rainbow trout, brown trout, um, brook trout, etc. So you can, I would say that's one of the best ways to kind of get started. Like when I knew I wanted to get in this, I went to Devil's Lake in Wisconsin, got into some stock trout action, figured out how they chased, what they did, what they look like on my graph and stuff like that. And that just kind of, you can replicate that stuff and do that on uh, big lakes for big lake trout too. Sure. So I think we covered the tackle pretty well. And, you know, what kind of baits to, to use? What about locating fish? You know, what are we looking at? Are we looking at the deepest part of the basin are we looking at transitions what what do you feel is like the best place to find a lake trout or any trout for that matter typically transitions um trout if you see a lot of trout well you'll see a lot of trout with like stubby noses uh that means they're chasing uh fish in rocks in and out of the rocks pounding them against the rocks pinning them against the rocks right um they do like a lot of vertical faces or really steep transitions because then they can corral those fish against those transitions so that's that's a really easy way to start is just find some deep breaks adjacent to some big deep basins um you know they can live in deep cold water i fished them in green lake that goes down to like 300 feet right um up here, I mean, the ones that I've caught, the very little bit of fishing I've done up here, you know, 80 foot of water is some of the deepest spots and, you know, catching them in 50. So, yeah, just finding those transitions um, next to like a deep, some deep kind of structure, a point, whatever, uh, that they can uh, pin bait against or chase bait against or at least travel through. So, Very cool. So how do you first approach when you get out on the lake, you find your transition, what's your first step? Like, what are you, are you going down to the bottom, real aggressive? You, you know, kind of tell us what you do to get on fish. Typically, so I run a pan optics. Um, so that gives me a little bit of an advantage to see wh- how the fish are acting in the water column. Um, can see bait too sometimes. And then typically what I do is I'll start like 10 feet off the bottom. And you'll get those fish, if they're, if they're cruising the bottom, um, they'll just storm right up after your bait and then play with them. If I'm getting a lot of marks towards the top, I'm obviously going to transition and change my tactics, but it's really nice having the panoptics because you can see where they're at in the water column. I would say normally start, you know, 10 to 15 feet off the bottom. Um, it's, if it's, if it's a lake or it'll chase or at least it'll, it'll tell you it's, it's a lake trout by the way it chases off the bottom. I mean, I'm talking very fast, very aggressive. So a little different than the stuff you fish here. Yeah, we're not perch fishing. <laughs> <laughs> not perch, not pike. <laughs> no. No. So you've had them hit all in the water column, I take it, though. Um, yep. I mean, I think yeah, all over. In the last year you had a video of, I think that was on Superior, though, of one biting, like, right in the hole, basically. Yep, that was a splake. So a splake is a, a cross between a laker and a brook trout. Um, there's lots of splake in, you know, uh, Superior. But, yeah, they'll, those little buggers, I mean, they'll they'll chase into the hole. I I tried to catch them with my hand because um, you just got to. Like, he's in the hole. You're going to try and catch him um, <laughs> or hand grab him. But, yeah, they'll they'll run. They'll run all the depths. And, like I said, you just got to figure out – 
what they want to do. I've caught them pounding the bottom, um, like your perch fishing, right? That gets them fired up. Um, you'll, you'll get them like real aggressive jerks. Like I'm jerking my rod from the, um, from the ice all the way to the top of my shanty, you know, whatever that is, that's four feet, five feet, whatever. Uh, and then you just kind of, sometimes you got to pound it on the spot or just reel up. And if they start chasing, just keep it going. Um, you just want to keep them interested as long as you can. And the one thing is, so I would, I've missed a lot of fish, um, doing this. So make sure your drag is tightened all the way down. I mean, you're using some heavy braid. I usually use a heavy braid to a fluorocarbon leader, uh, like 30 pound to on, on Lake Superior, you might change it up a bit. Uh, you're fishing deeper water and there's a chance for some big trout there, but generally I'm probably fishing a 30 pound braid to like a 12 pound fluorocarbon leader or 15 maybe. Um, but I'm cranking that drag super tight. And when I set the hook, I want to drive that hook. I want to drive it home, right? We're not talking small fish here. We're talking big fish. And a lot of times you'll miss them. I mean, you'll miss them because you didn't tighten your drag down from your last fight and you just hear it slip. And then they just spit it because you didn't drive that hook home. So tighten your drag down. I'd use braid and then go floral because you're fishing, going to be fishing deep, clear water. What, uh, what pound test floral are you like using for a leader? 12 to 15. Typically, uh, I run a swivel, I run about two feet of floral. Typically, um, I run a 40 inch Fenwick rod. It's an ice tech. It's ice tech elite. It's nothing crazy, but you have some length there to fight with. You have a good backbone to set the hook with. Uh, and then I just use my, I use my spinning reels off my, my bass fishing rods, my open water rods. You know, I use in a lose, I think mock speed spool or something like that. It's got good drag. It's got good line capacity. Um, it can handle what you need to do. Roughly so. around a three, 3000 series reel. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Very cool. So when you get, <clears throat> excuse me, when you get set up on a spot, is it more like crappie fishing where you literally hang tight, wait for schools to come through, or is it you got 50 holes drilled and you're hole hopping the whole day? It kind of depends on the scenario. Um, if I'm not filming and I don't have all the BS set up, um, I will jump around and prospect and see what we're doing. Um, it's a little harder if you're filming. I just, it's, I get lazy when it comes to that. Honestly, there's just so much stuff. Uh, this this spot, I literally punched one hole. After I punched like eight prospecting, I punched one hole and I sat there for a day and a half and, you know, caught three of them. Um, obviously, like I said, I caught some walleye and some um, bourbon as well. But, yeah, just, uh, you know, you can do what – if you if you're seeing marks and they're still acting like lake trout, um, keep, keep after them because obviously they're there for a reason, whether they're – traveling through because there's bait fish there or it's just kind of their transition area coming out of the basin moving up shallow what kind of electronics do you like using so it's i like i said i like the pan optics i really do it has its limitations down to uh about 60 foot um even at like 50 foot uh, you have to run the trails. You have to turn your trails on. You have to turn them on fast. You have to have your gain up. You have to have your color gain up. Um, and the trails allow you to see that bait uh, move because it, it changes the color. So if it's an orange, if you have your palette as like the orange amber palette, which is a standard pan optics palette, it'll show your trail as like a blue one. And you'll see that, you know, you'll be able to see your bait moving and you can actually see it like spiral down. That's how that's how um, detailed the trails are, but you also see your fish like storm across the screen as well. So um, 
pan optics majority of the time. If I can't use the pan optics, uh, I, I simply use a Garmin striker for, um, basic. I use a paper graph because your, your paper graph, your regular transducer, your, I think they run a chirp transducer. It picks up your bait no matter what. Um, you have to know how to read a paper graph, right? What that looks like. Um, you have to turn your, your scroll speed up, your, your, uh, your ping speed up um, because you want as you want that fast reaction. I just, I've never been around um, a Vexlar or anything like that or a Markham. So I, I just, I'm not used to that. I know how to fish one, but I don't know. I mean, I'd rather run a paper graph over a Vexlar because I had the opportunity to have GPS, you know, even that Garmin striker four has GPS. I can mark spots. I can go back to stuff. I can, you know, look at contours, whatever it may be. Um, that's my, that's my preference. And you buy a, a Vexlar, which is a technology that's been around for a long, long time. You pay a pretty penny for them, even though that technology has been around forever. And a lot of them don't come with a GPS. So oh. I would, ra- I'd rather use a paper graph. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So Lake Superior, let's just, kind of unpack that a little bit more like we covered the fishing gear but when you're heading out there you know and i'm sure it depends on how far you think you're gonna go or maybe you have a spot in mind but what is some of the equipment like safety equipment that you would you would bring with you myself i <laughs> know i mean I, I run i run solo a lot of times um i'm i guess the big thing is i've made some connections up there that I can call on, I, I can call on, uh, ice conditions, um, simple phone calls. Uh, it, it's a little tougher up there because it is a very competitive fishery, um, to get a hold of some of the bait shops. There's one major bait shop in Ashland. They might tell you some, some basic info. There's a couple guides up there. I've, I've tried to pick their brains, but that doesn't work that way. Um, so I call around, I look, I watch, um, one of the, the things I use if I'm really trying to plan my, my trips because I'm planning stuff in advance, right, and I have to figure out which direction I'm going, I look at Coastwatch. Coastwatch has some aerial photos of Lake Superior on daily, I think a couple times a day. It's whenever that satellite's over, they take like three shots, so it might be every other day, every third day, whatever. But you can start seeing how that ice is forming around the the Apostle Islands, which is a major target for lake trout. You get out to some of that deeper water. You can catch them in Shawamigan Bay. I've caught them, you know, as shallow as 60 foot um, adjacent to, you know, some of the the first Apostle Islands there. But, yeah, if you want to get out a little deeper, uh, Coast Watch is a great way to kind of track that word of mouth, you know, talking to some connections or making friends up there that, that fish up there frequently. And then, I mean, I run a Garmin inReach because you do lose service up there. Um, I run my Garmin inReach. I'm running up here. I run it, you know, all year round basically except in summer. Um, But, you know, I've even ran my Garmin inReach hunting in the bluffs in western Wisconsin because you lose service. And if you trip and fall, you know, and you can't get up, at least you have some some type of SOS. Um, So Garmin inReach, I I run some ice picks. um, But generally up there, what's going to happen is – if you don't watch your wind and you aren't kind of being vigilant, last year the ice, a big chunk of ice blew out around some of the islands that people were running um, some major equipment on, you know, and it just, the wind switched just like that. And 
you know, the ice blew out. So that's just one thing you got to be pay attention to. What was the wind that caused the issue? Do you recall? Um, I, it was, I mean, I, I don't know the strength. I don't know what direction, but I remember looking out where you could see where the ice met the water and there was waves crashing up over the ice. Right. So just, you're not fishing your pond when you're back there. You're not fishing your home lake. You're, you're on Lake Superior and the majority of that lake is open. So if you're going to go up there, just be vigilant and be, you know, be conscious. Don't, you know, check outside once in a while, every hour, every two hours, whatever it may be, if you're fishing pretty close to some of that stuff. And, you know, honestly, stuff can change up there really quick. Um, it's, it's no different than like the Bay of Green Bay. You know, we hear about stuff all the time, wind direction switch, ice breaks up. Um, I wouldn't suggest crossing any cracks I have up there. Um, but just you, you got to put your safety first up there and just be, be conscious of, you know, what the risks are. And if you don't see tracks and you don't see anybody else by you or you see everybody bailing, get out. I mean, it's not worth it up there. So sure. How are you getting around up there? Is it snowmobile or, or ATV? You can do both. Um, I always run, I have a homemade, like it's a knockoff of a, a snow dog. Um, it's, uh, it's homemade, uh, built it for like 500 bucks. I'm running up here in Canada. It goes on a hitch hauler. I love it. Runs off a Harbor freight, six and a half horsepower motor, um, built on an old snowmobile chassis. It's, uh, it's quite the handy machine. It's not going to get me anywhere fast. That's for sure. But I've had it on four inches of ice and I've had it in some pretty, pretty gnarly snow too. So it's, uh, that's what I run. A lot of guys run four wheelers and a lot of guys run snowmobiles up there. That's pretty handy to build one. And, and be able to haul it anywhere you want to go with it. Oh, it's I, I the whole premise of wanting to build is I talked to my buddy about building something small, powerful enough to pull a shanty, um, so I didn't have to walk, but I didn't want to have to pull a trailer. Um, traveling all the way up here, you know, all over wherever. Um, I don't want to have to pull a trailer. You know, pulling a trailer in the winter sucks. You get crappy weather. It's it's just not worth it. I don't have to worry about that. Um, it's, it's handy. Very cool. Hey, back to, back to superior. So I fish Lake Michigan a lot. We always fish in the harbors. How far out do you go on superior? Cause it sounds like you're going out into the main, main lake and, you know, getting out of the bullet slips. Yeah. I mean, so if you don't know superior, Schwamigan Bay is huge. I mean, that whole thing will freeze early. Um, that's, I mean, guys will, they're driving vehicles out there uh, pretty, you know, early in the season. But then, you know, you get north of, um, I believe that's Madeline Island up there, north of Bayfield, Red Cliff. That's where the Apostle Islands kind of start. You want to get, if you want to like targets, specifically go up there and target lake trout, you want to get into those islands. That's where things get deeper. And I'm talking like 100 foot all the way to 300 foot. Um, I don't generally fish that deep. Um, the guys that, uh, that do it, uh, like fish 300 feet, there's a whole different style of fishing that they do. Never done it. Um, but, uh, yeah, get to like hundred, 150. Uh, you can generally get like a one ounce bait to stay in your cone. Um, whether that's your Vexlar or your, you know, you're just paper graph. You can generally get like a one ounce bait to stay in there based on the, the current. Um, that's the biggest factor up there is if you find some deep water that looks productive um, and you can't see your bait, uh, you just got to switch locations because the current's funky. Uh, but at the same point, stick it out, 
I mean, I, there's two sides of a coin, right? Uh, you can't stick it out because once that current switch, all those fish are going to be, you know, heading one direction or the other, um, and that can really change things up quite a bit. Or when that current slacks, you know, if you're watching your bait down your hole and it's going at a severe angle and all of a sudden it's directly below your hole, you, it, things can things things can happen quick there um, just with those little current switches. Yeah, it's funny what current will do, even even open water. I mean, we see it trolling for salmon and trout on the big lake. Here, you know, out of Milwaukee or Port Washington, you know, wind, wind goes out of the north, current moves one way. Wind switches around, goes to the west, the current changes again. So, like yep. you said, if you can keep an eye on your current, that's really going to help you a ton. Oh, for sure. It's It moves the bait, it moves the fish, it, it keeps things, uh, you know, on their toes. And, you just, yeah, you just got to watch it. Um, it. But, yeah, having an ability to see your bait is obviously a big factor. So um, if you're in too strong a current, you might have to move slightly just uh, to be able to see your bait or get a heavier bait. And out there, are you still looking for transitions and stuff like that, or is it a little different because it's the the big lake? Yeah, uh, out there, yeah, it can be a little different. Um, you know, there's a couple spots I fish that are just kind of like flats. Um, they're just a, it's just a, a flat between two islands. That's whatever the the right depth I want. Um, and that's just you kind of just that's just a transition, right? Those those fish are channelized through those islands. Um, other spots, yes, I'm looking for like the steep structure. I'm looking for the, the little nuances. Uh, that's, that's the best place to start is, you know, little bends, little points, uh, whatever, whatever little nuances that you like fishing, you can replicate out there. And that's a great place to start. Like I said, the lake trout, they want, they want to be able to chase their bait and pin them up against some type of structure. Um, sometimes it's big ball bait, sometimes it's individual bait, whatever it may be. Um, but they, they, they use that structure to chase them and corral them. So, And uh, the lures and tackle you use out there are very similar? A little, yeah. little different? Just uh... Pretty similar. Um, you know, a little heavier at times. That's the only thing. Um, you know, the, the only thing that really is going to vary is what you're putting on there for – a lot of trout, like if you get trout want meat on their bait, lake trout especially want a piece of meat on their bait. So I'm using a tube with up here. It's just a minnow. Like I just pop a head off a minnow and stick the tail on there. You got to have bait. If you start getting a chase to fi- a fish to chase and he's chasing, he's chasing, he's chasing, and he, he never really nips at her. He just gets, it, he do- doesn't like it. Reel your bait up, check it. You know, I'd say 50% of the time you're, your meat fell off and he just wasn't going to bite on it because he didn't want the plastic. He just wanted the meat, you know? So, um, the plastic gets them intrigued, but they want that meat to key in on. So just always be checking that. I mean, I do it. I kick myself in the butt all the time. Um, you know, I like, uh, I should have checked my bait, you know, I'm just hadn't had a, hadn't had a mark in two hours. Now I got one coming in and I lost them because, you know, I didn't have any meat on my, my lure. So, yeah, I don't think people realize that you should be bait checking, you know. Do a bait check every so often. You know, when I when I go down an ocean fish, if I haven't had a bite in probably 20 minutes, I should probably check it because something is either from the bottom is eating it off or it flung off during the cast or maybe maybe the current just carried it away and maybe yep. it got too warm and too soft and it ripped off the hook. Exactly. Yeah, we, we don't do it enough, and I mean, I make that mistake all the time. I did it today, and just really kicking myself in the butt. I mean, that's the other thing too. You, if you want to do this, understand you're going to go long windows without marks, 
long windows without fish. Um, it's kind of you, you, you figure out where your confidence is and how much your time you're willing to give it. Um, but yeah, sometimes, I mean, it depends on what you're after that one big bite. You could have that one big bite in a day. Um, it just, it just, you're going to go long stretches. So just understand that. So it can be a tough thing to, it can be a tough fish to start chasing if you don't have that mentality, if you're somebody who constantly needs that action. Um, so it's like musky fishing. Yep. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the one thing I'd say too, is like I said, you know, get started on some trout in general, um, stock trout, brown trout, whatever it may be, um, brook trout, whatever, you can find some lakes and just, just kind of figure out how they chase, what they want to do, how they want to eat. Um, that'll really, once you see how much you're able to get away with, um, just because that fish starts swimming away, you know, down or up or whatever, it doesn't mean you can't get above them or below them um, or just free spool your bait to the bottom and he's not going to get intrigued again, right? So start with some, I, I would suggest starting with some type of trout, um, stalkers, whatever, and just figure out how they're going to react and what you can get, get away with. Sure. Get some practice in. Yep. Yep. Then you'll find yourself in Canada chasing trout. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you had said earlier on that uh, you, you probably headed to Fort Peck. Um, I I kind of have heard good things about the walleye population in that lake. I'm sure there's some in there. Um, and I think I've seen some posts about some pretty large pike that get caught out there, but I don't, they don't value pike there because they're an intrusive species. You know, mm-hmm. they were, they were, put there by somebody else that and they shouldn't be there but how often do you you know catch some of these other fish as like bycatch while you're trout fishing i can't fort peck's always been on the list i can't say anything i've I've never fished there so enough how about some of the canadian lakes um well this is my first time up here oh all right then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what about superior You've yeah before. yeah i, I mean <laughs> you'll, you'll catch you'll catch white fish um you know that's probably the big one out there if you're uh if you're lake trout fishing you're going to catch white fish here and there splake uh brown trout i mean just kept going out there and catching brown trout is just as fun as uh catching lakers i mean you can catch some really trophy brown trout out on superior and you can do that in 30 foot of water uh to to 60 50 foot of water whatever um so that's that's always fun but yeah generally i mean i would say most times where you're targeting lake trout back in wisconsin especially you're not going to catch a lot of other different species lake superior might catch some splake um and like i said some brown trout go to like green lake or geneva you're you're fishing 100, 110, you know, or 80 plus roughly, um, even deeper. And you're probably not going to catch much else. Um, here ended up catching some walleyes pretty deep. Um, it's unfortunate because they can't handle that, that depth change like a lake trout can. And the reason you can catch lake trout so deep and reel them to the surface and then let them go is because lake trout have the ability to burp their air. They have a ability to regulate their uh, swim bladder more effectively by burping their air compared to any other fish um, that, that doesn't have that ability. So, you know, you pull, pull walleye from the, uh, from 50 feet and their swim bladder and their guts are coming out through their gullet. So um, that's, 
that that's the first time I've seen that up here. I was kind of warned about it um, by the guy who who I know from this area, but yeah. Um, other than that, you don't catch a lot of bycatch. So what what about burbots? Do they have that same ability to burp off air? I mean, I caught one last night. It went down. It looked normal, so I I would think maybe maybe. Um, yeah, that guy that guy was fine. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's a good question. Can you not keep those up there? Or you just chose not to. You can. Um, so it, for those that don't know, so I live out of my truck on the road and it just gets tough cleaning, uh, keeping fish on the road. Um, just living out of the truck, uh, you know, just for, a, just for getting, keeping stuff clean. That's one factor. Right. And then, uh, you know, keeping stuff frozen. So I don't generally keep a lot of fish unless I'm going to just literally do a catch and cook right there. Um, so yeah, that's why I didn't keep, keep that bird, but it, I caught it literally at like midnight and I want to go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Were you sleeping out on the ice last night? Yeah. Put the old cod inside the otter and, uh, yeah, make myself at home. So very cool. What goes into, what do you bring out for a night trip then? Like you just did. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> Kitchen sink. Uh, yep. So need I, that. I typically have a. I typically have a tote with like food and um, change of clothes, uh, cooking supplies, paper towel, tin foil, stuff like that. Uh, I usually cook off my buddy heater. Uh, it's just you have it. Why not cook off of it? You can flip the. For those that don't know, you can flip the grate upside down, and it's a great cooking surface. Um, last night I cooked venison and. Brussels sprouts on it. Um, yeah. Even one of those sunspots. Yeah. You can cook off one of those too. Um, yeah, they're so, they're so handy. Um, but yeah, I, I don't bring like a special stove or anything. And then I bring a cot. It's just a Coleman, just simple cot. And that actually, I, I customized my otter. So mine actually came with the bench seat, but I took the seats out of my clam because they were removable and they slid and they were adjustable. Uh, they're very comfy. Um, I like the otter shanty better for the sled and the actual, just the whole shanty in general, but I like the clam seats. So I actually take out one of those clam seats and then I can put my cot in there, uh, next to my seat that I fish out of. It gets a little tight and then, um, yeah, sleeping stuff, extra clothes, cooking stuff, food, water, beverages. Um, yeah, I mean, I do run a, a carbon monoxide detector just in case. Always have a 20-pound propane tank that's full just in case you're, you know, it's cold and you got to run that um, all night or whatever, or you're out there stuck out there for a day or two. But that's generally it. Do you have a floor down on the exposed? I, some sort of padding or? I'm down to one one foam pad i've lost the others um but that's really all i need um it's nice because you know you're i typically at night like i just i see it's so warm in there i sleep in shorts and a t-shirt and wear crocs um so it's nice that little one square is nice to keep everything dry um but yeah a lot of guys run the whole floors i don't i don't do that um you know, you, you are still going to get some water issues because you're, you're just heating that area up so much for so long that you're going to get so much melt and it's just kind of, kind of pool around that hole. So that just is going to get bigger and bigger. And I feel like if you have one of those floor systems, it's going to be wet anyways. So I only run just the one square. Um, so 
it's nice to be able to keep it simple because, like you said, you find yourself carrying way too much crap out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm surprised this little snow machine pulls everything it does. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, cool. I think we're uh, we're, we're kind of getting to the end of some, some time here, but where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook. Um, I have a website, Free to Prowl Outdoors. Um, yeah, you can find anything and everything out there on those platforms. Just just look up Free to Prowl, and that'll generally pop up. So, very cool. Well, you uh, you do us a favor and stay out of those Canadian jails. All right. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll be crossing the border back to the u.s here and safe and sound so sounds great well, i appreciate it gents and hopefully you guys are getting out and getting some action yourself on, uh, on the ice so all yeah, right we're doing what we can that's right <laughs> we're staying okay <laughs> aren't we all see ya